0: Use the hard count, flag is down, free play, takes the shot downfield, Antonio
2: Brown goes up and gets it! Hard count works! Touchdown Steelers! Mariota on first down, shot down the middle of the field and open, no safety there! Richard Matthews at the 20, cuts back at the 15, and Matthews goes! Opening play, touchdown for the Titans!
0: Roethlisberger
2: in zone, Antonio Brown touchdown! the 10, Roethlisberger throwing in zone. Antonio Brown, spectacular catch. Touchdown. Wow. Wow, indeed. My boy. Owlboy. boy. Mike Tirico with the call <laughs> uh, for NFL Network and NBC and any other streaming services. Amazon's in the Amazon's mix. Amazon's in the mix. Anyway, Antonio Brown, uh, three touchdown receptions. Off ten catches for a buck forty-four. Ben Roethlisberger threw four touchdowns without an interception, and the Steelers run away from the Tennessee Titans—a forty-to-seventeen win at Heinz Field, improving the Steelers to eight and two, um, and knocking down the Titans, uh, who fall to six and four. Their winning streak is over. Dan is here, along with Greg Rosenthal. The rest of the heroes coming up soon, but Greg will start here. This is the Steelers team. Everyone that says we want a real fight in the AFC. Yeah, this is the Steelers team that we saw tonight that can take down the Patriots.
3: Yeah, you saw a little bit of everything in the Steelers because you saw the frustrating part of the Steelers in the first half where they couldn't move the ball and they didn't quite finish drives. And it was just a little disjointed, even though they had the lead. I mean, you look at the final score, it's 40-17. to It's easy to forget. This was a one-score game entering the fourth quarter. It would have been a two-point game entering the fourth quarter if not for Delaney Walker dropping a wide-open touchdown at the end of the third quarter. So it was a competitive, interesting game for three quarters. But then the better team won. And the Steelers just have too much going for them. And the difference between the two halves is the offensive line for Pittsburgh, which has just been okay this year, not great, really took over in the second half, gave Ben a lot of time. He played outstanding. And after halftime, 20 of 23 for 184 yards and three touchdowns. They just, they just had everything rolling. And you're right, when they're looking good, they have more talent, I think, than any team in the NFL. I think they're the most talented roster top-to-bottom offense,
2: defense. And I i don't disagree with that at all. I, you've been saying uh, that the Steelers are the best team in the league, and I have been disagreeing with that, and a lot of people would disagree with you on sure, that. Sure, maybe they haven't played that way, but that's how I see right. it. Right. That that's their ceiling, and, and and that's that's what we saw in the second half. It was almost like, and I know Marcus Mariota, who, by the way, Tytoons, Titans, you know, come back to us, guys, uh, with the performance <laughs> Not a good tonight. day for them getting... You re- getting rid of that moniker. From right. Andy. It's not going to happen. And uh, they uh he hits the deep touchdown pass that you heard. Uh But after that, it kind of was like the Titans brought a knife to a gunfight. Like they got the they got the Steelers on notice with that touchdown. The Steelers go right back down the field, score another touchdown. Then Delaney, Delaney Walker makes that drop in the end zone. And at that point, the game's over. That's a four-point play, four-point drop. And then the Steelers just walk away with the game. And it just shows you, and I wrote about it this week, What happens when uh, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then you find a way to start – Getting the most out of or something out of Martavis Bryant, what can he's happen been in the mix a little bit? They have not game. scored thirty points all season until tonight, and that's a major disappointment. And then they drop a forty burger and make you think, "Wow, what happens if they get it together for the back end of the
3: well, season?" Well, Schuster is such a difference maker. He made one of the key plays in the game, which was a third down conversion, a very difficult catch, and he's made a lot of those. Difficult catches over the last few weeks. That kept the drive going where, where they finally finished the red zone drive. It was early in the second half. And the Titans at that point were playing them pretty even. I mean, the yardage was leaning towards the Titans because they were still in that game despite Mariota making two big mistakes with two interceptions uh, in the first half. And then he threw two more after halftime, so forget about it. But the reason why the Steelers are so talented because their defense can keep them in games like that. Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tuitt were making plays. The secondary, even without Joe Hayden and Mike Mitchell, ended up having a, a very good night, and they were setting up the offense who just knocked it down. And, you know, not going to, like... T- turn this into a, a Mariota hate fest. Uh, but it was a terrible it was a bad game. Actually, he showed a lot. He showed why you liked them, too. I mean, he had 10 yards per attempt and he had a lot of beautiful oh, you gems there.
2: But then uh, just the mistakes. were. Too you see it there. I just don't think he's there yet. And I don't think the Titans are there yet. And we saw I think tonight was kind of a, a referendum on where they stack up right now. They're not even close uh, to beating a team like the Steelers on the road. Uh, I, I don't I still don't trust their coaching staff. I still think he'd be
3: I, I don't know what their what their offense is trying to do. Melding his college
2: thing in the in the way it just doesn't. I don't think it's working it and, Doesn't work the coaching staff and the running games. They're not getting much help from the running game. Uh, and one uh, one more thing for me, a uh, little shout out to Antonio Brown, who we almost take for granted how incredibly productive he's been for the past, what, seven years or so now. And uh, good stat from andrew siciliano on twitter he's 29 years old brown uh he already has more career receptions than 14 wide receivers and tight ends in the hall of fame and yes the game's different now than it was a lot of those games in the hall but that's an incredible stat that just shows you how special this guy is he is one of the greatest to ever play at the position and i don't know if we quite give him enough credit yeah that
3: i think that's fair and it's not one where it's just stats you just w- watch, and you can see how he's the greatest. And his practice habits are legendary. Very similar when you hear about him compared to Jerry Rice, and some of the just the style and the play. I saw something. He's. I know it's it's only fantasy. But he's the number one fantasy receiver in terms of points per reception. Four straight years, he's the number one. Like one, one, right. one, one. He's the guy every single time, and it and it is amazing. It's why I think you should be afraid of this team. That said, the Titans' defense, I don't trust them at all, and they're they are a paper tiger, six and four. And this is gonna get on some radars in this room. I have a feeling mm. because their schedule in the next four weeks is so easy. They'll probably win three out of those four if they, they could even win all four. And so they'll have
2: a good record, even though they haven't really shown that much. Um, yes. And Brown helmet catch for Brown, too. That was cool. And one of the all time bad beats in fantasy. If you have Le'Veon Bell <laughs> on that <laughs> touchdown that got called back and then you get buried with a play action that touchdown uh, to the tight end. Now, if you're a big band fantasy owner like Greg and I, it was we so enjoyed bad. it. That was nice. Okay. So that's that game. Oh, and I did lock it up. You locked it up. You uh, got it. You know, after some of the bad blood between us on Tuesday, um, <laughs> I just want to say that now it does look like a, a really a huge mismatch. But at the time, the Titans were feeling good about themselves, but the Steelers said, "You're hey, not in our
3: class." I've picked some heavy favorites this year that have lost games. So at least you picked a a
2: favorite that won. All right, so there we go. Let's now move on to the rest of the show and preview the rest of the Week 11 games. Let's go, Tamposi!
0: The Around the NFL podcast has 99 problems, but free agency ain't (laughs) one.
2: Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Head & Shoulders. My name is Dan Hansis and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling in a smoking jacket, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up boys? Hey Dan. It's a sweater. But doesn't <laughs> it look like doesn't it look like Wes could have a pipe sticking out of his mouth right now and maybe a glass of scotch? I know he's not a, a brown booze drinker, but has that look, doesn't it? It's my Professor Wes outfit. Silk pajamas, maybe. That whole thing. Got the glasses. If you just gather around. Wes is going to dispense <laughs> some football wisdom to all his subjects. Let him regale you around the hearth. Usually a scientist today, Professor Wessling, about to school everyone on the NFL in week 11. You heard at the top of the show, uh, Greg and I doing a little Titan Steelers chatter. But there's so much more to get to this week. Uh, week 11, here we are, uh, double-digit Weeks, Mark, you know it's almost over. You know you're on the beach in Cancun. You can see it now, can't you?
3: Yeah,
1: I don't think that we're anywhere close to that happening. 28-week oh, okay. no, season
3: is, starts in the preseason. We're in week 17. I've done the math. There you go.
1: We are. It is getting down. Some of these teams are starting to become massively irrelevant.
2: I'm going to try this. Usually I like to look at it before, but I'm going to hang some onion here. Four teams on by. <laughs> 32 minus 4 is 28. 28 divided by 2 is 14. One game already played. 13 to talk about. Right? Yeah. (sighs) It's been a long time since I've been that nervous.
3: I can see the the
4: gears spinning
3: (laughs) in your head. (laughs) 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 Handle that with poise. Last bye weeks of the year. Is that it? That's it this year. Hmm?
2: Mark, another sign of you. Cancun spring break.
4: Cancun doesn't really strike me as your ideal place to be spending. You also
1: have, yeah, you have a very disjointed view of my bank account.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see Mark maybe doing like um, hitting up like a college haunt yeah. to try to recapture mm. the youth spark. It'd be, yeah, one of those vacations he takes by himself. Yeah, I went you you to do, Cancun you do one take time. takes some solo vacations. And maybe this is one of them where it's like all of a sudden you're with a bunch of 19-year-olds doing this, the beer bong and everything. Simone is extremely
1: generous with the occasional solo trips. This would get red flagged immediately. I got arrested when I went to Cancun, by the way. For what? Uh, can't get into that right now, but it, was, it, felt, it felt wrong. It feels just, like it, it might it was, be it murder. Was, it was unjust. I did, actually, it was just the way that the cops worked down there. But I saw two or three things that I will never forget in Cancun. <laughs> let's leave it right there. Should we save
2: it for the Cancun podcast? Yes. All right. Yes. Let's stick a pin in it. Another reason to look forward to the offseason. But for now, let's uh, look ahead to all the games in week 11, Sunday and Monday. Inclu- we're going to Mexico. Speaking of Cancun, we're going to Mexico this week, aren't we? We are. are. We, Correct. Do we have any Mexican listeners? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Plenty of them. All right. Everybody calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are speaking with authority on the issue. Uh, let's start, uh, though, in Chicago. The heart of America. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dan uh, buying time as yeah. he folds the research
1: packet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let you to the world. Right. That's their. That's their tourism. <laughs> the heart of America. <laughs> <laughs> Motto. Right? Um, the heart of America. Chicago. That's, that's Middle America, right? Yeah, it's definitely it's, Middle America. Yeah. That's the heart of America. Okay, you're correct,
2: Dan. Yeah, you bleeding heart liberals. The heart of America is right in the middle. What <laughs> so I have to do okay, so why is not Indianapolis the heart of America? <laughs> I don't know. Chicago is just more the heart. Um, let's talk about the Lions, Detroit. Now there's an American city, hardworking. The Detroit Lions are five and four, uh, coming off back to back wins over the Packers and Browns. A bit of a scare against the Browns, but now they get the Bears on the road, and uh, we'll start with Mark Sessler. Uh, Mark, the the Bears. They can't seem to get this offense going, whether it's Mike Lennon or Mitchell Trubisky.
1: Well, yeah, and I think they should have expected that to be the case when – A, John Fox is running the operation and has enough sway over the offensive coordinator to keep Trubisky completely clamped down for the first month of his career. You saw him open it up a little bit last week, but the good quarterbacks that are young that seem to, to grow have weapons around them. Deshaun Watson had DeAndre Hopkins. Carson Wentz takes a big leap. Jared Goff does as well because they've surrounded those quarterbacks with appropriate talent in year two, and Trubisky just has very little to work with when the running game is not working. That's your hope this week. The Browns ran for nearly 200 yards against the Lions one week ago, and maybe the Bears with Jordan Howard can hope for the same.
4: I think you have to ask if the coaching staff is really doing Trubisky a favor when the Bears lead the NFL in negative rushing plays. Right. Is that really helping Mitch Trubisky?
3: He had a oh. lot of long-yardage situations last week because of negative plays on running, because of a lot of pre-snap penalties, so that's just poor coaching and poor players. And then like their number one receiver is Dontrell Inman. This is a guy who essentially was given away to them and immediately comes in, and that's their number one receiver. It's like, you're only going to be so good with that group. That said, they're playing Detroit, and I look at Detroit, and it's like, what's their defensive identity? They don't really have one. When a 31-year-old safety, Glover Quinn, who's having a great season, is your best defensive player, It's like it wouldn't surprise me if they just are tougher than the Lions, and you dial up one of those perfect John Fox games where it keeps it low scoring, and they do run for a lot. Chicago's defense has been for real.
1: I mean, they they they're generating turnovers, which is what you need for that offense to get try to put some some you know ball ball control offense in theory with them. But I don't know. I just I look at this Lions team and what depresses me is you are looking at matthew stafford's sexiest season this guy has been Mm. fantastic and in other years the lions can hope to get into that last wild card spot at nine and seven not this time around in the top heavy nfc and stafford's heroics are completely lost on this campaign
2: they they could definitely because you know ask any lions fan they'll have regrets that they didn't maybe make the most of barry sanders And now you have Matt Stafford there, and they continue to be a middling outfit. Some people that aren't as big a fan of Matt Stafford might say he's played a role role in that. But I'm kind of with you guys, and it does feel like, yes, they're on the outside looking in. It's going to be tough to get that wild card um, spot, and they're unlikely to win the division. Uh, but even if they made the playoffs, what's the ceiling with this team? Doesn't it feel like there's really not it. a big difference between this year's team and last year's team?
3: Exactly. And they, but the NFC is different, and that's why they're right. they're not good enough. Where I know their schedule's easy, but they're not good enough where I think they they win all the games they should, including maybe this this week. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the the Bears intercepted Stafford four times last year, only gave up one uh, touchdown to him. Like it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if the Bears end up winning this game
2: all right let's move on the Jacksonville Jaguars they are now stacking wins we talked about it last week it's time to stack wins and that's what they're doing three straight uh, after that uh, narrow victory over the Chargers uh, uh, at home now they travel to Cleveland and the schedule says hey keep stacking wins Jags Chris Wessling uh, the Browns uh, showed some fight last week against Detroit but on paper this is one of the bigger mismatches of the year right
4: Yeah, I know a lot of people are looking for reasons for the Browns to pull off an upset here, (laughs) especially with Tashawn Gibson kind of needling the Browns and and
1: predicting an 0-16. That's on
3: Mark's radar. They're not Uh, expecting him.
1: Cleveland has made their own. They've made their own bet at this point.
4: And I know people are talking about, oh, it's hard to beat the Browns because they are a top-half team in, in terms of total talent. I don't see that. I don't see them as top half in total talent. And I see a Jaguars team that is better in every single way and not by a little bit. This is a lopsided matchup. I expect the Jaguars defense to absolutely dominate the Browns offense in this game.
1: I absolutely agree. You talk about a team. Some of these defenses, they're better at home for some reason. They're not good on the road. The Jacksonville defense on the road has allowed a touchdown in three of 50 possessions and they lead the league in turnovers on the road. And I think that you're going into a stadium that does not, has not packed a punch or been tough to play in, in two plus decades and Jacksonville on, this, on the flip side, they're going to do enough on offense, and Cleveland turns the ball over more than any team in the league. I just don't think there's anything you can point to and say, oh, Cleveland's got some sort of Achilles heel they can pinpoint no, he, with the Jaguars. I agree with that. Well, the one the thing – right, I don't
3: know. Not right, Great. Last week, I mean, he, he did everything possible to give that game away. The only reason that they won is because a guy dropped a pick six and because the Chargers couldn't get a first down, or else the, the narrative all week would be Blake Bortles blew it because he did blow it. Well, is, the game will need is, to be he, six to
1: six for that to be right. the case.
3: The, the case could be that Deshaun Kaiser is coming off by far his best game, and I know he's not playing the Lions again this week, but he played a great game. I thought they simplified things. He, he – it, it's – it shows how cursed their season is, is that the game is tied and he goes out with an injury and he comes back in and they're down whatever it was, 14, 14. points. It's like he played by far the best three quarters of his life. That was kind of what we saw I, that we got excited about.
2: I agree with you on that, that he played. I texted Mark about that last night because it made me think after watching it that whatever Tayshawn Gibson says, I think the Browns will find a way to win a game because they already showed last week that they p- could put together some stretches of play and they'll steal one. I don't I don't think they're, this has been a cursed season. I think they very much have earned this record personally, but I think Kaiser, you see what had everybody so excited in August. And flashes, You
1: see it a little bit here and there. and I think I mean, you saw it
3: the whole game last
1: week. He played a good game. What they have done in the last couple weeks, which I think they should have done from the beginning, is allow Duke Johnson more carries out of the backfield. They do get Corey Coleman back. I still don't like the matchup for Cleveland.
3: Right. I mean, this is it's uncanny how every pickup the Jaguars had is working. It's not just Calais Campbell who's in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. It's Barry Church. It's A.J. Bouye. Yeah, like, everyone yeah. they pick up has been good.
4: Calais Campbell wouldn't even be my top pick for Defensive Player of the Year on that defense. Jalen Ramsey would be. That's fair. Mm. And I, to complete a pass against this defense is one of the hardest things to do. It shouldn't be that hard to complete one pass, but the Jaguars' defense is incredible. And for all the Deshaun Kaiser love that he's getting in this room right now. It was right one
3: now, week. It was one week. One how, week. Made, well. how
4: many times has he been benched and he still leads the NFL in interceptions?
3: Oh, I know. I'm just saying he had, he's had a miserable season. That one game was so far better than any other game he's had.
2: That's um, it. And the ja- after watching the game last night, I sent out a tweet. Jaguars. I'll give some. I'll give the Jaguars fans some love for an expansion franchise, yes. um, and, and for a, a fan base that went through years and years of ugly, ugly seasons under Gus Bradley and before that even. Uh, they're really passionate, way into it. So when I'm watching that game and I'm seeing Blake Bortles self destructing in the fourth quarter of that game and they still survive, what I tweeted was, doesn't it still feel like Wild Card Weekend? Blake Bortles is going to break the heart of the Jaguars, and I. I think they're going to get to the playoffs, and they're in a good, great position. Obviously, if they beat the Browns to get there, but I still feel like this guy is mm. going to kill them, and that will probably be the impetus for change. They you? go into the, Jags the fans went though. after
3: you, or something, or yeah, what? there
2: were some. So a lot of people agreed that are outside Jags Nation or the. Well, they they go into the offseason.
3: They absolutely will find. I, a different I'll give them a little love after the. Direct they've seen for the last five or six years, they have a home field advantage. That crowd has been going nuts. This it's a good evening, fan base, uh, especially in that last game at EverBank. So they're excited. Let them be excited.
2: Let's um, should we? Let's do it. Let's let them be excited. <laughs> it's just <laughs> saying.
3: Say it, I like I like that the the Jaguars <laughs> haven't killed their spirit over the last one decade, guy. Which even, it has with some fan bases. And a grain
2: of salt because his name was like psycho Jags fan. Some guy on Twitter was like, <laughs> when I when I went back and forth a little bit on the topic, he was like. Uh, talk to me in January. He was like, <laughs> I, I, I believe I've had a run-in with him as well. I, I, I saved that tweet. I'm and sure we Wes and I have blocked
4: it. him. Oh yeah, he's
2: gone. All right, moving on. The Baltimore Ravens uh, are 4-5, and five, uh, coming out of a bye week. Uh, they have a pulse in the AFC because of that number six playoff spot is wide open right now, and now they get what looked like probably a, a terrible matchup for them, Greg, uh, a couple of months ago. Now they get to go on the road and face uh, our boy Brett Hundley. Hundley did some things last week, but speaking of Deshaun Kaiser, maybe getting too much love in this room, maybe there's a little bit too much love for Brett Hundley's performance last week. Yeah,
3: I I heard a lot about, okay, breakout game for Hundley. He finally showed up. Okay, all right, let's go. Let's watch this. He had two throws in that game, two really good throws, which helped him win the game, and for a young quarterback, he deserves credit for that, and that's fine. But otherwise, it looked like the same Brett Hundley that we've seen, and this time, I know the Bears' defense is solid, but they did a good job protecting Hunley, and the secondary in Chicago is not too great. This is a much, much different story. I respect this Ravens' defense. John Harbaugh quietly has one of the, the best records coming off a of bye. I usually don't put too much into that stuff. But you love your some John Harbaugh. It's something really like 12-4. and four. I trust this coaching staff to improve this team and this matchup for Hunley and the Packers' offense is dreadful. I can't see them scoring.
1: I just look at the game like this and it's just you pick the best unit and there was one it's Baltimore's defense by far in this game and I look at Green Bay and say you don't have Aaron Jones anymore he's out for what three plus weeks and I, Green Bay to me it's it's they have they haven't missed the playoffs since 2008 where well, you're going to miss it this time
2: I bet i hope so. we, we uh, already forked them at five, and five. They'll be I don't think they are even a, I don't think that's on their radar but potentially it's on the it's on the board on their refrigerator in the break room.
1: Dan,
4: I, I heard you kind of wondering a couple of podcasts ago, like what's what's where's Joe Flacco at in his career now? i had done a deep dive study mm. on him.
2: Ooh, Professor Wessling
4: puts down the pipe
2: and gets to work.
4: <laughs> Joe Flacco, remember when he came into the <laughs> league right. and he was kind of sneaky athletic? He'd take off running and he looked yeah. like Forrest Gump, but he would get away from pressure. <laughs> He's not that guy anymore since the ACL and the back injury. He now has the skill set of your average Osweiler, Ooh. Savage, Mettenberger, mm. Whedon. He's a statue in the pocket. He's mechanical. He There's no kind of, like, uh, improvisation to his game whatsoever. And if you let him sit back there and throw behind a great offensive line with receivers who can get open, he can still hurt you. But he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league now,
1: and it's because he, he doesn't move. I do wonder, though, do you think that it's this fair. this season specifically, like, the – bet? He- we never really heard that the back was completely healthy. The it back seemed, it seemed the obvious. Probably not. And remember when Romo was dealing with that? That he just he, he looked like a completely different athlete. And do we get a better Joe Flacco next season? I, I'm not it's arguing like, that we do, but it just seems like he'd be
2: healthy. Back injuries, if you follow sports, are devastating. My boyhood hero, Don Mattingly, never the same. Larry Bird it ended his career. He's an all time legend. Tony Romo jacked up his career. Sometimes you just don't get back from the,
3: that. The last game before the body. pardon the
2: pun, Greg, <laughs> yeah. as I said back. <laughs>
3: The last game before the bye, they're on. They're having third and ten, third and longs, where he's just throwing one yard passes right away. He's not even holding the ball and waiting to see if someone come, no. comes up. It's just like let's let's throw a dink and dunk right away. This is a guy with the one of the biggest arms in the league. It's tough to watch. Well, the
4: coaching staff has to have a quick strike offense because he can't get out of the way of pressure, and he gets rid of the ball because he doesn't mm. want to get hit.
3: And yet, when when I look at this game, I do think maybe they'll open it up he's been asking for it and they are a little healthier maybe they get Danny Woodhead back and Jeremy Maclinstein and back. one underrated aspect here that you guys haven't considered are the mm. fo- the football gods because mm. unfortunately the flex nola movement was not successful i consider it successful had over 3000 retweets 10000 likes you know lots of hashtag flex I ain't nola. humble bragging here greg i Saint, like it saints rams was not moved to sunday night they're going to keep Brett Hundley and the Packers, and the football gods aren't going to like this, keeping Brett Hundley in, half, in in prime time. And so they're going to make the Packers lose by a like ton it. this week and have that Sunday night game be a, go- a dog, and that's why I'm locking this up. Whoa!
1: I like that. I assume that Greg, Greg has lived a life where the football gods smile on, on him and his activity.
3: You hear that? That's the I've football gods. A, no, I have a it's completely different Lambeau. view of the
1: football gods. The football gods do not seem uh, kind-spirited in my in my worldview. Uh, me either,
2: Mark. Uh, <laughs> you know, That's Erica Tamposi behind the glass filling in for the great Lindsey Fulton. What's up, Erica? Loose cannon. A loose cannon. A little under the weather. Hey, hey. You doing okay? Doing okay. Erica's doing amazing work on the NFL Pick'em Show. Uh, week after week. You got to check it out. It's on three times a weekend, maybe four. Four. Four Four times early. Check your local listings, but definitely on first thing Sunday morning. You would think we would have the times.
1: It gets better with that third and fourth watch. (laughs) (laughs) You got to watch all. Really? uh, It really does.
0: Well, you you should come by Fridays when we have to watch the show
1: 40 times down uh, before it gets sent out. You really love it then. Hard pass.
2: (laughs) Um, Let's move on. Uh, here's a bummer of the game, Mark Sessler. The Arizona Cardinals, 4-5, and five, couldn't figure out a way to beat the Seahawks last Thursday night, and now they go to Houston to face the 3-6 and six Texans, two teams that had a chance, if only, speaking of those football gods, decided not to wipe away many of their premium players to injury.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about this game yesterday, and it uh, brings to mind another concept of a rule change that would benefit fans and really all humans uh, well, I would I would set this game at this point in the season to two twenty minute running halves. The clock runs, mm. okay. I and like this. this is out and t- this is the Texans fans. You're out. Mm. You're out in the middle of Texas. You put a nice big country music venue at halftime. Let them have a great concert sandwich with two. Very quick, twenty-minute running halves where you get this football product off the field and right. you move on to next Maybe week,
2: like a Brooks and Dunn, Darius. Sure, I don't know the names of any of them. Now, yeah.
3: If I'm Bruce Arians, I'm, I'm thinking, hey, we're four and five. This could be my last year as a coach. Feels like that's short-changing him and his potential, you know. Well, your little,
1: your little football gods want, want good football, <laughs> according to you, so they don't want this game.
2: Others would say it's massively disrespectful to the players and, and the game itself. <laughs> I didn't ju- say I'm it a was a rock-solid av- theory. Okay. Devil's advocate here. I like it, though. We should mention, Especially if we can get Brooks and Dunn involved.
3: Well, we might. Scoop boogie. <laughs> we might have Blaine Gabbert involved. Looks like Blaine Gabbert's going to be starting an NFL. Is anybody Shouldn't surprised? he have started
1: over Drew yeah. Stanton from the beginning? What were they doing well, here? Well, this week, Stanton's bad enough when he's
4: healthy. Why do you want to try to play him with a bum knee? Right. Is that Just Arians being him. too
1: loyal to Stanton? I, don't I feel like he put the Cardinals at a disadvantage by not putting the much more athletic Blaine Gabbert, who he called a future starter in a high-ceiling quarterback. Although,
3: for the criticism, Arian's, Stanton was – not terrible against the Seahawks. He's, it was okay. Yes, he's he got
4: was. some Kaepernick in okay. him where he only has one speed on his throws. They they where are the
2: touchpad. I think that's a totally different game if he hits a few throws and he couldn't hit a, he couldn't hit throws.
3: I guess I have such low expectations. Mm. Like I he's the bet whoever starts for the Cardinals is better than the Texans starter. And the Cardinals have been very unlucky. They lost DJ Humphreys, who has been playing pretty well for limit left tackle. They lost Tyvon Branch for the season, who's been playing very well, probably better than Honey Badger at safety. So it's it's not even just Carson Palmer. They've had a lot of injuries.
4: I thought it was interesting to hear rap sheet say that people around the league are excited to watch Blaine Gabbert in this offense because of how he did in the preseason and Bruce Arian's reputation with quarterbacks that they think he might be
1: salvageable. Right. We'll see. One quick thing on i um, kind of all
2: set with Blaine Gabbert, personally. but I'll, maybe You know
1: what? He, wow. he had some flashes with the Niners, too, on a really bad team. I know. I've heard all about all right, that, too. All we, right. We won't. We won't Tom Savage <laughs> last week, two picks and two lost fumbles. Okay. He blew the team up. And this does not count the fact that he had a pick six called back by penalty. He's bad. And he almost threw another pick six. How... Poorly can you play at quarterback after spending an entire summer hearing that Tom Savage was the answer for this team? That's what they were saying about their own team. That is hideous.
2: You're so mad. <laughs>
1: get you. I just don't. Lie. I cannot do the Tom Savage experience anymore. Now everybody, everybody's. I think. I think
4: on the we're same with page.
3: you. I think Texans fans are are, are with you. Everyone's
2: th- on the same page with Tom.
4: No more minicamp and OTA buzz Thank you. over quarterbacks who've never been good. Thank you.
2: I feel like that's our our, our biggest takeaway from this season, and this is like the fifth season. We've done the show together. Is we're not working in July and August <laughs> this year. We're just not, and we're going to talk to the shadowy league figures. August, it's we get not
3: to the preseason.
2: Yeah, wow. absolutely, especially the preseason.
1: You know what I see happening? See we will be one. working,
2: and we will fall for all these narratives once again. <laughs> Let's. <laughs> we have no choice. It's it's part of the paycheck is to write about it. Let's move on. Uh, ugh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, beat the Jets, but they still stink. They're three and six. Fourth in the NFC South. That's the last place they travel uh, to Miami to face the Dolphins, who are um, riding a three-game losing streak. Actually, while we're here. Stick a fork in them. It's time to add to the list of the doomed. The Miami Dolphins. The New York Yachts. <laughs> what? The <laughs> Dunver Broncos. <laughs> Dunver. Add them to the list. I think we're up to 13.
3: The, the, we, we are saying that the Dolphins, Broncos, and Jets have no chance of making the playoffs. The fork is in their back. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miami. Somehow four and five, and yet dead last in the football outsiders' metrics. Behind where they wheel, belong. That's behind a win team. A winless team. That's tough to do.
2: <laughs> and the other teams, just if you're tracking at home, stick a fork in them. We write off teams, no chance of making playoffs. If we get one wrong or more than one wrong, we'll make a donation to the city where that team plays. So these three teams join the Browns, Niners, Giants, Colts, Bucks, Bears, Texans, mm. Bengals, and Packers.
3: And it's funny because this matchup is so bad that. Guess no one would be shocked if Miami won. Look at
1: this song take off. I would be shocked.
3: You would be. This team is terrible. They're, I I am surprised, a, but Ryan Fitzpatrick's the other quarterback. The know. Dolphins
4: are offensive to football.
1: Well, I, I feel it like the same way about the Bucks. Honestly, this where we thought Tampa Bay would be, and Miami coming off a playoff season. This has to be. Two of the most disappointing teams you could possibly conjure up. Tampa Bay coming out of Hard Knocks. We're talking about them as winning the NFC South. They are like the third, fourth worst team in football right now. It
3: occurred to me that we probably haven't said one nice thing about the Buccaneers in many weeks. Okay. So I've got two. I've got two nice things. Levante David seems like he kind of went away for a few years as like this is the guy outside linebacker. Mm -hmm. He's back. And then Chris Godwin. I love this wide receiver. I think he is going to be a legit – like good NFL starter from what he's shown. They got to get him on the field more.
2: Uh, and one, my one last thought, and it's a very heavy charge to throw, and, you know, we're on the outside, so I'm not going to say this is the truth. Kind of look like the Dolphins quit a little bit on Monday night.
4: Well, how could that be? Because they traded Jay Ajayi away to send a message. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and too much, I was that's the second part of my point, Wes, and that's, it's very great that you brought that up because, you know, when you got a head coach like Adam Gase, You kind of like, oh, I admire his moxie. He's not afraid to stick it to his guys, even in a press conference. Like, I wonder if that act gets tired after a while. And what do you what do you say when you're teeing off on the guys when you're three and two or whatever? What do you say when the season's now actually floating away and it doesn't look like the efforts there? I wonder if he's sneaky as Heine is a little getting warm if mm. this season continues to devolve. I feel like Ajayi,
1: when when he was playing well, and it was more last year than this year, was the identity of that offense. And they are an offense you cannot find any sort of DNA, any identity to Miami. They're impossible
2: to watch. You know who's happy? Ryan Tannehill because he's probably right, probably going to stay there now, right? After the performance from Cutler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. The Oh, the team of Around the NFL. Team of <laughs> We bad job by us. They're, they're playing great, the Rams, right now. Uh, and we didn't even call it out after their absolute uh, latest uh, destruction of a team against the Texans last week. So let's shout out to the Rams who are doing great. I think they're like 4-1 now since being named the team of ATL. Now they travel. This is where it gets real. With some
3: blowouts, too. I mean, we're just taking these Rams blowouts for granted. Look at
2: this. Since they were named the team of ATL, they lost 16 10 the first week, and you know, a little team of AT hell sniff going on. They were to yeah, pressure. I
3: took offense to that. But
2: since then, 27 17 over the Texans, over the Jaguars.
3: At Jacksonville.
2: At Jacksonville. 33 zip against the Cardinals. Went to their bye, came out of their bye, dropped a 50 burger on the Giants in the Meadowlands, and 33 7 over the Texans. And now they get, Greg, the Vikings. So a matchup of two 7 and 2 teams. I'll start with this question, Greg. Jared Goff, um, obviously a distant in the MVP race. uh, Third place, I would say. Fourth place, wherever you want to put him. I would not put him in the top 20. I wouldn't
4: even put him first on his team.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't either. All right.
3: I'm just saying, that's my personal. Just my way of getting into it.
2: Yeah, baby. Jared, all right. I mean, he's on pace it's, for it's like a comeback 40 player of the year, forty
1: assignment, uh, Dan. To yeah, be, you know, throwing this scientist, I, out. Scientist,
2: scientist. I apologize. Throw
4: all of his MVP love into the Sean McVay for Coach of the Year bucket. Yeah,
3: okay, okay, fine. I've you want to get after Gurley? I'm not really into that either, but I'll take it.
2: Uh, can I apologize? <laughs> I apologize. Anyway, Jared Goff is having a really, really nice season. Yes. And now here's a really, really big test against the Vikings on the road.
3: Yeah, we, and I think we talked about it on the last show that they're playing the four basically next best teams in the NFC. They are the center of the NFL world. And I think Sam Farmer, the uh, dean of Los Angeles football scribes out here, pointed out, like, who would have thought a year ago Case Keenum versus Jared Goff is the is the game of the week. <laughs> a year ago at this time, we're talking about that as a possible quarterback change, and everything's a disaster. And Goff is a guy who's doing everything that they're asking. He has a couple you know moments each week, and the question kind of I'm looking at with this game is if they really get pressure on him, if that front four for Minnesota, which has been so good, and they think they're getting Everson Griffin back this week, gets pressure on him, how does he respond? Because by the numbers, under pressure, he's actually has one of the lowest completion percentage and some of the worst numbers in the league under pressure. And so that, to me, is the key for Minnesota.
4: I well, I said this last week. He's throwing into the biggest windows in football, thanks to Sean McVay and his play calling and his route concepts. He Before this three-game jaunt against bad teams, he had gone four straight games under 60% completion rate. I like what Jared Goff's doing. He's hitting some deep throws really well, too. But, beautiful, beautiful. But he's not playing at a level like MVP quarterback.
3: No, I think he's a second-year quarterback who's playing that sort of role where you're making sure he has all the support. That's called great coaching. It's it nothing is. against Goff. Well,
1: we you know, we spent the, the big chunk of the offseason always asking, what is it we would need to see from Goff to be impressed by his second campaign? And he's done that, no questions. I look at a guy like Les There are other general managers around the league that right now are attached to coaching staffs or issues in general where they're embattled and you're wondering if they're going to be out of a job soon. It is worthwhile taking a look at what he's done. The courage, uh, that he he's lucky he kept the job, number one. But when you get rid of this whole Jeff Fisher experience, you hire what it looks like in Sean McVay, not just a coach of the year, but maybe someone with what we've seen so far that could be there for fifteen years plus really? and you have a quarterback that you can pair with him. The franchise a little bit of a Sean the,
3: Payton vibe.
1: With the energy as a completely different feel around this team that a year ago was unwatchable. The idea that Rams-Vikings and for all the teams that I know I dump on a bunch of these teams at this point because I don't believe in them, the NFC has been a delight. It's it's, it's morphed into a fascinating conference to watch and you got to ride with it.
3: And they announced since we last recorded that well, Case who's Keenum... They? Who's they? My, oh, Pro Mike announce. Zimmer. Good point. The Vikings and Mike Zimmer announced that Case Keenum is going to be the star. Pronoun alert. There was a report from Jay Glazer that the Vikings were very tempted to go with Bridgewater, and we've gone through that. We've? This show has gone through this enough. <laughs> I think the I'll bridgewater Kingdom debate, we can talk about that another time. I, I didn't get to voice my opinion. But on. let's hear it. Let's hear it. Well, we have a little insider on
4: insider crime here because Uh-oh. Jay Glazer reported the Vikings see – Teddy as the franchise, and they were tempted to play him. Rap Sheet reported his sources say they were never seriously tempted to play mm-hmm. Teddy, that Keenum is simply playing too well, he's earned a longer rope, and it doesn't make
2: sense now to even think about turning to Teddy. Can I, I, I th- think that's right. To that point, the Glazer tweet specifically got on my radar a little bit yesterday, and I, I am not against Teddy Bridgewater, but sometimes when I see something like that, he Glazer's wording was, he is the franchise, blah, blah, blah. Did I miss the Teddy Bridgewater breakout season before the knee injury where it was like, oh, this guy is the future for them? Because I know he made plays. and Let me finish. He made plays, and he's a guy that there's a lot of hope around him. But that's why I was really struck by that tweet specifically. I was like, don't we need to see how this guy looks?
3: Yes, but we haven't seen it. But they're the ones that drafted him, and they – have the belief they, the be- they believed he was the friend. he was a top for instance his rookie year he finished in the top twenty in my QB index. Like if you're a rookie, that's very that's very on point with Mariota and Winston and a lot of young quarterbacks. Like for a rookie year that was solid. Second year was a little more mixed, but they believe in him. And I think the main thing is they look at this coaching staff and they look at this offensive line which is playing so well this year, protecting Kingdom. They look at the best wide receiver duo in the league and I think they think it's a different team around That's why you have to stay stay with Keenum. I totally agree.
4: Because right now, you don't need a brilliant quarterback. To operate this offense, but you can't have an implosion.
3: You can't and no matter well, Case what. Case imploded last week. Again, if their defense didn't did not pick, implode last week, he threw what could have been a pick six in the first half, and he threw two of the worst interceptions while leading late in the game. He was is, just named is, the
1: FedEx air player of the week about twelve minutes he didn't ago. Impose. It doesn't matter. It was a Cardinal
3: six two. Reagan. those were Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown types of throws. And they and still won
4: it. and they still yeah. and they still piled up yards and piled up points. Right. That's a quarterback's job. The thing is, you, you know this coaching staff sees Teddy in practice all the time. I don't care. Right. Nobody, not even Teddy Bridgewater, knows how he's going to react coming off the most devastating injury in the history of quarterback play. Nobody knows. He doesn't know how when Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn sandwich him, how he's going to react. He no. doesn't know how, he's gonna, how his
1: psyche is going to be in the face of pressure. I think it will take care of itself. Exactly. Naturally. Let let and the coaching staff dodge a bullet by let let Kay, if you if you think a Case Keenum is, is going to implode week after week, I'm not I saying don't. you are, Greg. I'm not saying you are, but if that's the case, there's going to be a natural door opening to bring in right. Teddy Bridgewater. Right. But don't force it after what just happened. He he's he's done as much as you could have ever asked. I case totally Keenum agree. To
3: do. I I just think if you really are watching his last four or five games, interception, it. interception it. every it. single week. We I don't think it. he's played as well the last four or five as he, as he did.
1: Again, it's Case Keenum, and you couldn't have asked the guy to do any more. Um,
2: two quick thoughts, Wes. Uh, Joe Theismann would like a word with you on the worst quarterback injury ever. Just saying, he wants to talk to you personally. Well, I okay, that's that's fair. But I
4: think Teddy's.
2: But w- I get it. I know what you're saying.
4: And he'll talk. Like it'll be like but Theismann a,
2: wants to talk to you. It'll be a 45-minute well, we conversation
4: Teddy's.
3: where you don't get a word in.
4: I I don't speak to Theismann. <laughs> I don't write any stories with base with beat writers basing it off of Theismann's comments. He doesn't mean anything. To
2: <laughs> and Greg, FedEx Air and Ground.
3: I don't think it was one of his better games of the year. I really don't. But you, if are you we going talk, up against
2: FedEx, Big FedEx?
3: I am. I'm. I think he had a. He has like Adam Thielen making crazy. But he oh, I think well. it what it
1: tells you there wasn't a lot Let's to pick, pick from this last game. week.
3: Let's pick this game. I was gonna lock this up, but I thought the God smiting thing would be more fun. But I think the Rams <laughs> are gonna win this game. I think they're the more complete team. They're better on special teams. They're better on defense overall. I like the Rams better. What do we think? I'm gonna go Vikings.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: I'm going Vikings. I respect them in their building, and I think the Rams have. You know, it's great that they've been pummeling bad teams because that's often a more accurate sign of how good you are than winning close games against good teams. But this is this is a lot different opponent than they're
2: used
3: to facing. Lately. Yeah,
2: I like the Vikings at home, and I think uh, wow. comes down to earth a little bit. Hmm. I think he takes. I think it's going to be a rough day for Jared Goff. I think
3: both Rams. quarterbacks could struggle in this
2: game for sure. And now a read from one of our sponsors, and you know who it is, Home Depot, Husky Tools. They say in life there are no guarantees. They say there's no sure thing. Well, I'm here to tell you there might be just one exception. In 1924, Husky started making things for people who make things, and they did it with common sense. That meant adding function, never frills, and making tools that stood the test of time. 93 years later, Husky is still making quality-crafted, durable tools. Oh, amazing. They stand by him, too. Lifetime warranty. You got the Husky ratchet, that 100-position ratcheting design, 10% longer longer handle, 10%. Just that amount. It's good. It makes a big difference Uh, than standard ratchets. They do what other ratchets can't. uh, Or the virtually unbreakable Husky flashlight with the ability to withstand a 30-foot drop and work in up to one meter of water submersion. Someone on Twitter told me, uh, when I called out the one-meter thing, likewise, why isn't it whatever the conversion in feet is? turns out that uh, they measure water depth in meters. So there you go. Learning stuff here. Both guaranteed for a lifetime, but built so you won't need it. Now, that's a pretty sure thing to Husky. That's common sense. Learn more at www.huskytools.com. Husky, common sense tool since 1924 with hand tools guaranteed for a lifetime. Found only at the Home Depot. Uh, let's move on. The Washington Redskins are 4-5, and five, uh, coming off a loss to those Vikings, and now they travel to face the Saints. Oh, my goodness, Mark Sessler. The Saints playing better than anyone in football right now. Speaking you want to go down the ledger. It is a five-game winning streak, uh, seven-game winning streak, excuse me, for the Saints uh, during that streak. 34-13, 20-zip, 52-38, 26-17, 20-12, 30-10, 47-10, and now the Redskins have to go to the Superdome. Look out.
1: What the Saints did last week and then what the Panthers did their best on Monday night to kind of outshine what New Orleans did one day earlier outshine. Is, the, is the most exciting thing I think in the NFL right Time now. Time to shine. I love this kind of football because I, I, don't, I, I get it, the 400 yards passing, all the, that's nice, but I love watching teams that can run the ball. And the Saints, Dan, you tweeted about it yesterday, and everyone saw it against the Bills. The way they the way they dominated on the ground was the kind of way that when you would play Madden against, like, your brother when you were young and you were just better than him or you were playing some friend or you are getting dominated yourself
2: by someone and they're just running over you and it's embarrassing. Let me, That's how this looked. Let me go through that drive. I tweeted it out. It was the most – and, Wes, I this is the first game I watched based on what you were saying. I was Same. just morbidly curious about this game and it lived up to the hype. The most soul-crushing drive that I saw er- – all year was in the third quarter. Saints 10, 10 plays, ninety-four yards, all runs. Ingram for eleven, Kamara for ten, Zach line for nine. When Zach line <laughs> and in the middle, you're in trouble. Mark Ingram for nine, Kamara for fifteen, Kamara for eleven, Kamara for eleven, Ingram for five. What's his problem? Kamara for <laughs> six, and then Drew Brees scrambles into the end zone. 94 yards, all runs, and I, like I said on Sunday, I don't even think the Bills quit in that game. I think they just were punished till there was nothing left, grounded to chalk by the Saints.
4: I consider this game unlockable because the Saints are too good right now. Yeah, I, I don't think the Redskins can hang with them. The Saints are going to put it on them. They're playing it. their return home to their home field advantage, and I think they can run
3: on anyone. And it, I don't think it's a coincidence. That's the first time last week that their offensive line has been all healthy – and together in a little while, and then they come out with that performance, which was like, it was about as close to the platonic ideal of, like, old-school football as you really could possibly get. And now they play a Redskins team who aren't playing as tough on defense, who made Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon as a ground game look pretty good. And Latavius Murray's just kind of getting what's blocked. So if Latavius Murray's running on you with pretty big holes, I think you're in trouble playing this
1: It's It's fascinating to me that Michael Thomas and Brandon Coleman on this team, and, and Ted Ginn, that you kind of forget about these guys oh, yeah. in some case because of the way this offense I, is. Every other Saints here, these guys would have each been vying for 1,000 yards. We'd be talking about 2,000-yard receivers versus Kamara and Ingram are about to become the first backs, if they keep this up, to surpass 1,400 total yards each since the only other duo ever, Kevin Mack and Ernest Beiner, did it in 1985. they're going to do it. For who, Mark? the Browns when they oh, were an actual football team. I
2: knew you were going to get that stat in there and you deserve it.
3: <laughs> we, sh- <laughs> we should mention Rob's Kelly. It a big deal when it happened back oh, then. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For Fat, sure. Fat Rob is out for the season officially for the Redskins. It's been a little... Un- I think... His loss has been a big problem for them because they have not been able to replace him, and they really don't have a running game. And your boy, Kirk Cousins, is playing tough. I will admit he's playing about as well. He's
4: making the throws. The receivers aren't catching He's playing as well in the circumstances.
3: He's playing tough this year.
4: I think he's making those throws, and they've had short yardage running issues all year long that's killed them on third and one and fourth and one. That is a problem because they want to play that tough kind of football, and they can't do
2: it. Uh, Here's a team, Wes, that's in a really good spot heading into week 11, the Kansas city chiefs. Now they're playing not too well right still now
4: Still in the league. They're Feels still like they here. Played in a month.
2: Yeah. They, they've lost three out of four uh, to Pittsburgh, Oakland, and Dallas beating Denver. The only win in that stretch. Uh, but now they're coming off a bye to regroup a little bit. We all know Andy Reid kicks ass coming off buys and where do they get to go? They get to go to the Jersey Meadowlands to face the giants who look just about as bad as anyone in football right now. This is not a lockable game. No, it's not, and I feel like people are kind of. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you lock the Giants, that would be allowed. That would be ballsy. People are kind of
3: sleeping
4: on the Chiefs at this point. That they everybody considered them the best team in the league a month ago, and now nobody considers them like on the Patriots level or the Steelers level in the AFC. To me, they're right there still, hmm. a- and they had a close loss to the Raiders. They, you know, they they scared the Steelers a little bit in the fourth quarter. And then the Cowboys beat them, you know, a little comfortably. But I, I still think the Chiefs are right there with anyone.
3: They're they're the best scheme team in the league. And I think some weeks, some weeks it doesn't. You're not hitting all your schemed up plays quite as perfectly. And then you end up on, in a game like Dallas, where their offense really wasn't wasn't that great. But if you could pick an, a defense to play against, like the Giants are it. Like it takes communication and discipline to play the Chiefs or else they're going to burn you for big plays because they're going to confuse you. And the Giants are the least disciplined, most easily confused, worst communicating defense in football. This could be a 50-burger. I wish we could lock up a 50-burger. It's a terrible
1: matchup for the Giants. Would you like to?
3: I mean, I don't know. I don't. I have okay. my lock is out there, and I'm happy with All it. So I'm going to stick with Greg it. Greg
1: attempting once again to double lock <laughs> or triple I mean, lock or that quadruple a, if, lock.
3: If that, if that yeah. is allowed in future weeks, it does open up things. I, I would like uh, to lock you up. You could up lock things that have things. nothing to yeah. do with
2: football well, yeah, You're, you're not clearly wins. trying to be an agent of chaos. <laughs> Let's I, be honest. Yeah, I
3: am the Trump administration <laughs> of this podcast.
2: A really, really good block. That's my Trump. Not getting better. Mm. Yeah. My Trump's no. not getting better. It's actually going in the wrong direction. Uh, By the way, Ben McAdoo, we don't talk about the Giants too much, but now he has the, quote, brutally honest meeting with the Giants. Six weeks ago.
1: He came out of that saying saying how well it went, and then Dominique Rogers-Cromartie, his quote was more like, (laughs) all right, well, at least he finally did it. It's like, yeah, you're right. It should have happened when when the ugliness began, which was around week two. Does uh, anybody
4: else have a bad feeling about this organization not understanding that they need to move on from Eli Manning to the end of the year? That they're mm. so loyal to him and they're talking about building statues
3: and really? he can't
4: trade Eli. He's, I will say he's, he's been a little better situation. this year, I think,
3: than last year, which is weird because their record's so much worse. He's been yeah, a little better. Because he was better. terrible last year. Yeah.
1: Well, well, they'll have a top five pick, and a lot can happen with the quarterback position in the draft between now and then. If they if oh, if they go, if they overlook the position when there's someone sitting there for them, then I'd be very I was going to say,
2: there was also a report out there that they are, if they're not at the top of the draft that they would be very anxious to trade up into. So I think something could be cooking. I really – I don't think there's any chance he gets benched because of the consecutive game streak and what he means to the franchise. Why
3: would you bench him for Gino as much as I like right. Gino? What's the
2: point? Well, yeah, there's the other kid there too. But I I, I kind of think it's a coin flip that he's playing his final games as a giant. I think this could be over for him, hmm. which would probably I, be best for all you. parties, yeah. let's face it. Uh, let's move on to Buffalo Bills. Uh, speaking of a team that can't figure out its quarterback situation – They benched Tyrod Taylor on Wednesday morning, Uh, Sean McDermott announces, for fifth-round pick Nate Peterman. And um, I think a lot of people in the football cognizante, myself included, threw a tweet out there like, what the hell is going on? And I was surprised by my mention. I started getting pelted by the Bills mafia, uh, by people saying, you have no idea what you're talking about. This is the problem with the national media. These are the same
3: brainwashed folks that were defending every move Doug Whaley made for four years. Tyrod
2: Taylor is just – I don't know if it's a a vocal minority, but Tyrod Taylor is not a, a popular guy, at least in my Twitter feed. He's out there, out of there. Nate Peterman's in to face the Chargers, Greg, one of the best pass rushers in, in the league. By the way, the Bills technically right now are the sixth uh, and final playoff spot that's in the AFC. Th-
3: that's why I hate this move. If they were three and six, whatever. This is the guy you drafted. You like him. Even though it's not Tyrod Taylor's fault on offense, fine. He's not your future. I get it. A, a playoff appearance would be absolutely special for the Buffalo region, clinching that game that gets you to the playoffs. It's been 17 years and Tyrod Taylor I just can't believe the fact that Nathan Peterman gives you a better chance to make the playoffs than Tyrod Taylor. I just don't believe it. He's a mid-level starting veteran quarterback. Peterman is I just can't believe it. Is it
1: like the Titanic level of thrashing they took by New Orleans that made this decision happen sooner? You hope not. Bro- they I, broke. I wonder, they
3: broke their spirit. They I feel like everything. that
1: game. It was, it was. It was. You know, Sean McDermott at at one point looked at as sort of a coach of the year candidate, and Sean Payton said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh I'm the better Sean. In fact, you may <laughs> even be the third best Sean coaching." It was a Sean, Sean McDermott. It was, it was a, a Sean off. Sean off. And it went poorly it? for you, Buffalo. Well, that was. You pronounce t- it Sean. I Sean Sean.
3: Well, another reason why that Saints Rams. I, I like game. To use on.
1: the pronoun Sean.
2: We we don't like pronouns around here. <laughs> How do you guys pronounce Sean? Sean. Sean. Huh? Sean. Greg? Sean. Huh? Sean. It's like John with a... You're what, about, what about the uh the
3: What is it? Well, they all Vermont sound the girl. same to me. Sean. What's happening here?
1: Sean. 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 Posey's like, please move on.
3: I mean, it's another reason why Ra- Ram Saints should have been flexed. That's the ultimate Sean-off title. That's the
1: Sean-off 1A. Sean.
4: So Tyrod Taylor, since he <laughs> took over as a starting quarterback, in Greg Roman's offense 2015, he had an MCL injury and I believe October, and they let it leak to rap sheet that E.J. Manuel could take the job. The next year – There's they, 20
3: touchdowns and six interceptions that year, by the way. The, okay. the same exact pace that he's on this year.
4: The next year with a different offensive coordinator, they actually do bench Tyrod Taylor. Then he hits the market – well, he doesn't hit the market, but he sees what the market's going to be and resigns in Buffalo because he knows nobody wants to sign him. And now a different coaching staff has benched him again. No matter whether you think that he's outplayed, what the talent surrounding him is, and I do think that they have a better record in his tenure than they have a right to. Every coaching staff that's worked to him has found him wanting, and it's because he, he doesn't exhaust plays. Mm-hmm. He gets sacked more than any quarterback in the league, and while his receivers are running routes and while his coaches are drawing up plays that they want the quarterback to see through, he's leaving the pocket and not seeing the plays through. And I know how coaches think, run the play I called, don't leave the pocket. Right. So and- I think that's why he's benched. But does it mean Nathan Peterman's going to give them a better chance to win? I don't think there's any chance of that.
2: Dang. Here's the bad news for us, Mark, by the way. The Bills are now a major player for a quarterback in April. And they have, like the Browns, but the Bills are pretty loaded with draft picks as well. And that is not what you Ooh. want. If you're a team like the Browns, like the Jets, that like Houston the Giants, draft
3: pick gets better every day, too.
2: The Ooh. To have to have another team enter the fray, and that's what they're doing. I think the, the maybe the logic here is, they decided Tyrod Taylor, he's just not our guy. Let's take a look at Peterman because we like what we've seen. Let's give him some starts and then at least get you have a look at him in live action before you make your big decision whether or not to go all in for a quarterback in April. But they're supposed to they're on pace to make the playoffs. Uh,
1: the one thing is, if you go back and look at what Brandon Bean said about Peterman in the summer Sure. I, this does not just boil up now. They Some people
3: thought he might start week one, people close to the they team. They gushed
1: over him. So, I, I, Wes, I think you're you're absolutely point on with Tyrod Taylor. He's not been supported, but he's also someone that inside the building, he's not waiting he over multiple coaching he, he
3: also makes really special plays and wins games with Nick O'Leary and Deontay Thompson, and, and that's what got us excited. We should mention before we move on, Phillip Rivers is in the concussion protocol. As we tape this, we don't even know if he's starting. This would be the first start in his career that he ever misses. And if he didn't he's play, Playing. It'd be. I think it Anthony
1: like Lynn play. again said that he expects him to play. So, so the it, second time, it's
3: very likely he's playing, which is good because they should win this game. And Ingram and Bosa are just playing so well together. I'm not counting this Chargers team out. This AFC is so I wide open
4: that number six seed in the AFC could not be more wide open. I right. think there's no
3: way you need ten wins. Not n- nine it might be plenty. I think it might not even
4: two, be a tiebreaker. The two best teams going for that spot are the Ravens and Chargers.
2: How about the idea, wow. Well, since we bring it up, the fact, the, the fact that whoever is the sixth seed and maybe one of these teams gets hot and they become a formidable foe in the playoffs, even if you get the three seed, you get like a sneaky half a bye. If you get a really bad sixth seed. That 4-5, Blake will throw away the 4-5 game. I'm not sure the three seed is going to be a powerhouse well, I don't know. So I would the take other the division s- winner is also going to get a sneaky buy because Blake's going to hand it to well, him. It's going to se- be a quadruple buy. i a- take, take the C- six
1: seed and fly them over the Bermuda Triangle.
2: We don't well, you're
3: that. assuming a lot in that Blake is just a little a bit. They have to win the division. <laughs> they have to have a worse record than the Steelers or Patriots. A lot know. of assumptions yeah. being
2: made there. Not not a lot of good ones. Let's move on. The Cincinnati Bengals are 3-6. and six. After back to back losses, uh, basically, we forked them, right? They're done.
1: No, this is a fork on fork scenario. Uh,
2: Fork on fork. So let's be quick here. Uh, Fork on fork. Brock Osweiler is again playing, uh, but at least Paxton Lynch is now the backup. At this point, the only positive takeaway for the Broncos of the season, I would think now, is A, Von Miller doesn't suffer a bad injury or something like that. They don't have any serious injuries. And B, Paxton Lynch shows them something when he finally gets in. It feels like we're heading in that direction now. And what does that mean for Trevor Simeon?
1: I feel like this is the first real pain point for John Elway, who, you know, deservedly gets a ton of credit for what he's done. And he really – he's the reason they got Peyton Manning in the first place. It was because John Elway is John Elway. But now you're in a conundrum at this position where you've drafted Paxton Lynch. We have no proof from what we've seen in scant snaps of his that he's the answer on any level. Trevor Simeon's crashed and burned at this point. He's third string. And your other option is Brock Osweiler. It, it, you either have to figure out the quarterback situation again in the off season, or you need to see enough from Paxton Lynch to take a risk on him going into next
2: year. It's a t- weird position for the Broncos I'm to be in. I'm really surprised Simeon's not back in. Is he hurt? What? No. I think
3: they're no. done with and him. Lynch is probably the backup. I, th- I think, Lynch is the, he, he I think they saw him. Brock Osweiler's performance last week and thought, oh, they were encouraged. Okay. He played okay.
4: All right. I mean, he I was. Mean, I'm not saying I w-
3: I was, right. but this is the team that brought him in and gave him the starts to begin with. So you
4: gave up on Simeon? That's it? None, nothing they've done makes sense to me. Yes. First of all, you already know what Brock Osweiler is.
3: Exactly.
4: So so this is a waste of time. This three-game stretch, or however long it's going to take. All reports out of Denver, all off-season into the summer, where the Pacton and Lynch never came close. To putting heat on Trevor Simeon, so why is he all of a sudden, after being injured for two months, being put above him in the rotation? I don't get that at all. There's no reason whatsoever to believe that you're going to put in Paxton Lynch and be pleasantly surprised by what he's doing on the field.
3: Who who would have thought this before the season? This would have been a dead game in Week 11. That that Bengals Broncos would have nothing going into that's, it. That's that's killer and, for the AFC. And it took a little while, but I think you now look and. The Rams have the number one defense in the league, according to Football Outsiders. I think you now have this that you can say that they miss Wade Phillips a little bit on defense for Denver. It's taken a little while for me to really buy in that they've fallen off, but they've fallen off.
2: I yeah. assume Vance Joseph's okay.
3: Yeah. There's
2: usually a one-and-done guy in the mix. Marvin right? Lewis, though,
3: I don't know about Marvin Lewis, and he spent half his week at seemingly burying John Ross as like the worst dra- draft pick ever John Ross disappointing him and all of this stuff. Hold I don't on. Know. Why
4: are Bengals fans so upset by that? John Ross was a guy who came into camp after missing the entire offseason, didn't know where he was supposed to line up on the field, didn't know what he was supposed to do. Now he misses most of the season, still doesn't know where he's supposed to be, and we're supposed to, and I'm supposed to be upset that Marvin Lewis called him out for that? He
1: doesn't know what he doesn't know what his job is. Talked about him giving up on routes last yeah. week. So. Marvin
4: Lewis is allowed to call out his players for not knowing what they're doing on the field. That's fair.
2: Very fair. All right, let's move on. Oh yeah. It's time to head to Santa Ursala, Mexico. Ho ho. Estadio Azteca. Okay. The New England <laughs> Patriots. And the Oakland Raiders squaring off
3: the Pats. Mexico's team, according to Derek Carr, who's always been right about everything.
2: Mexico! And we have listeners in Mexico.
3: That's been confirmed.
2: Breaking news huge listenership in Mexico to our south. Open arms. To
1: our south. James Palmer but, reporting. Is that, what am I supposed to say? Well, <laughs> no, it is to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. sounded <laughs>
4: like you like just found that out today.
1: <laughs> James Palmer has tweeted an hour ago. He is covering this game in Mexico and says that Raiders fans are swarming in full force at customs to cross the border. <laughs>
2: Guys, calm down! Just, it's a football well, it's, game. It is just there. Get there.
1: It, this is, this is that kind of fan base. You
2: got a lot of time. Anyway, Patriots seven and two. Uh, obviously, they've blown away the AFC East once again. And the Raiders, <clears throat> coming off a bye, this is it, West. This is the most important game of their season. You want us to take you seriously as a team that that not only can get that uh, playoff spot, but also have a little hope to conjure up some of the spirits of 2016. Go win a game in Estado.
4: I don't think that's. I don't <laughs> think yeah, that's. Uh, you're not asking too much. If we're going to take this team seriously, they have to win. And it's because their secondary is a conflagration. They are, they are one of the worst secondaries we've look that seen in years.
3: let good get that West back with the big words.
4: And you see, they put Looking Gary and it Conley, their first-round pick, on IR this week. And you look around the league, and you see teams like the Saints, what they're getting out of Marcus Lattimore, what the Bills are getting out of Tre'Davious White, and the Raiders have gotten nothing out of their first-round cornerback. Sean Smith is slow. David Amerson has been burnt all season long, and I think the the Patriots continue to roll against this Raiders defense. It can't stop anyone through the air.
1: This is becoming a tired stat because it started to be tracked about three weeks ago, but they are the only team in NFL history to enter this late stage of the season
3: without an interception on defense. That is hard. That's hard to do. Exactly.
1: That you get, you get a couple of luck. Yeah, there is bad luck. That means
3: there's no game in NFL history, like less likely to have an interception on the Patriots side than this. Tom Brady, who's thrown what two in the last 20 something games.
2: And that's right. why the games aren't played on paper, Greg. Seven picks for Brady. Mark it down, Erica Tamposi. <laughs> mm. Wow. That's a Sessler. I don't see her writing anything.
1: I think she's <laughs> completely disregarded your point.
2: Uh, yeah, well, I guess I kind of like the Raiders. I root for the Raiders. They're kind of like my AFC West team that makes me happy a little bit. I don't know why. Maybe I like the fans. I feel bad for them maybe. But do I feel confident that anyone's going to stop Tom Brady? Because Brady just looks to be – just as it looked last year and probably the last seven years before that. But especially right now, he seems unconscious, like the game is in slow motion to him right now, and he sees things in a way that other people just don't see the game. So to to imagine that the the Raiders are gonna scheme to stop Brady, no. So they're gonna need to score a lot of points. Needs to be a double be forty a shootout.
3: This and it could be a double forty burger. I don't I don't think it would shock. Double forty it, burger. It wouldn't shock me if this Ooh. game is forty one to thirty eight. This is the best offense in the league against the worst defense, according to Football Outsiders. And it's pretty closely flipped the other way. I would say the worst pass rush, one of the worst pass rushes, against what should be a really good offensive line. They've been a little up and down, but overall they've protected Derek Carr well. So this should be a game where Carr has some time and can pick apart the Patriots uh, defense and that they can go up and down the field at least a little bit oh, to keep up with
1: them. We just did this last week with the Broncos, where it was you know New different. Eng- New England's <laughs> going to crumble for reasons. The Raiders thing. have a done lot of some these metrics. A lot of these New England defensive metrics aren't they still anchored and tied to the really oh, rough start? A yeah. little bit, hard. but you give up a the lot of last yards. Last three weeks they've given up fewer points total than they did in Week One to the Chiefs. I mean, yep. they—they're averaging about thirteen and a half points per game allowed right now. They've rounded into shape. The issue early on, if you listen to what those players were saying, was communication issues in the secondary. Yep. they've cleaned that up. This defense but is not a big issue right that's now. That's not fair to they,
2: your Patriots, Greg. By the way, to, to think that they are in danger of a forty burger, where that—that that team has been kind of—that's unlikely. For that's two fair. Months. I is guess this, I haven't.
4: Se- where's this explosive Raiders offense? I haven't seen it all right. year. I don't, I don't know why the Patriots should be scared of the Raiders' offense.
1: Uh-oh, is this going to be another blowout? It I, I like, think it's much more ripe for a blowout. This is just me than a 40 No, I agree. 40 this is game. not
3: a game, and I'll, this is usually when it comes back to haunt me. This is not a game as a Patriots fan that worries me because I would just be so st- – stunned if the Patriots didn't put up 35 plus 40 points, and then they figure out a way to win. I think right now, Deion Lewis, the way he's running between the tackles and the way Rex Burkhead is coming out of the backfield and James White, I think Bill Belichick has kind of found his perfect backfield. He's been building up to this for a while. Like Their biggest advantage every week is running backs matched up against linebackers and safeties. And this trio, and whenever they want to have Gillisley Lee active – that's kind of like his Nirvana of a running game, and it's taken them a little bit to figure out this offense. But now it's really kind yeah, of. I, I totally agree with you. I think He's you throwing come out
2: the it. double birds to the fantasy community. <laughs> Absolutely,
1: as well. I think you come out of this game because there have been some whispers at some low points this season for the Raiders that there is some ownership discontent uh, from the head coach and other areas here. That I think you come out of this that this goes poorly for for the Raiders there's going to be issues that potentially could have off-season well, the, ramifications. The,
3: the defensive staff especially, who's never figured anything out under Del Rio, Ken Norton's not had good defenses, and they get confused, and that's the last thing you want playing Brady, who's been mixing up pace very well. I could see them kind of speeding it up and then slowing it down and catching them off guards and just the Braiders kind of looking incompetent.
2: All right, so you have a lot to look forward to this weekend. I hope so. The throne <laughs> of ease lives on. Moving on, then Philadelphia Eagles, a team with a better record than the Patriots and everybody else in the league, 8-1, travel to Dallas, and they go, go at a perfect time, let's face it, uh, against the Cowboys. No Zeke Elliott. Tyron Smith still up in the air at left tackle, and we saw it happen when he tr- entrusted a man named Chaz. Uh, and... No Sean Lee, who's really the backbone of Dallas's defense. So all of this adds up, Greg, to the Eagles being in a great spot to salt away the division, if that was even in mm. a question, and also put the Cowboys on life support in the NFC. And they, they would
3: absolutely love to do that, and I do. And, you know, through no fault of your own, I do have a little bit of breaking news oh! for what you were just talking about. Go! Oh! Hit it, Tim Posey! Greg legitimately excited He's right now. NFL media insider? I don't know. Jane Slater, what do we call her? She's She's
2: a NFL network reporter. NFL Cowboys Network reported.
3: Reporter. Jane Slater reports Tyron Smith will not be sooning up for the Well game. Really Byron a- Bell is starting and uh that's great news for Brandon Graham oh. and the rest of this great Eagles pass. She heard that
1: from Cowboys sourced whispers. So I think she is a bit of an insider. Yeah. Eh, that's that's nailed this one. She had a source. That is a big. Bru- this is a
2: brutal spot for the Cowboys.
4: Are the Eagles defensive line the best position group in the NFL? Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Timmy Jernigan, and Vinny Curry. And then you throw in Chris Long coming off the bench. I say Fowl yes. Allen, I think they're the best position group in the NFL. Because what
3: else would be in the mix? I guess the Jaguars defensive backs, you know, or... Yeah, c- yeah cornerbacks that's, that's in the mix. The, the Panthers linebackers are obviously very good, but no, I would put the Eagles front four as the most consistent week-to-week wrecking crew around. You want to talk
1: about our what I love. I don't know if the rest of the people in the room can give a hoot about this, but the coach Boot. assistant coach Boot. of the year award. Mark, and Mark, I think number Mark one, one. Right. hold on, Greg. Greg, hit the brakes. <laughs> hit the brakes for a minute, please. Rod Marinelli... Pump the brake. Rod Miner- Marinelli, I think, or hit the year bricks, after year. Can I possibly finish a <laughs> sentence in this room? Well, you're telling him to can hit the... Can I possibly are finish a sentence during this show, show Wait, is it are, pump the brakes? Are you going to finish it or Hit them because the car is speeding out of control. Hit them. Don't pump them. Hit them. All right, go ahead. Rod Marinelli, I think, is one of the most <laughs> underrated coaches in the NFL with what he's done with this defense. Injuries up and down the place. David Irvin DeMarcus Lawrence, he has this team every year. They get counted out in the offseason. One time I talked to 50 phrases to describe how bad this defense was. He completely put it back in my face and everyone else's. But on the flip side, (laughs) Jim Schwartz for the Eagles, I think is another very strong candidate and probably will be a head coach again soon.
4: Oh, yeah. I think he wants to be a head
1: coach.
3: You got it out. I'll tell you, it's a chore. I mean, I wasn't sure. It's if it, a chore. It is an utter chore. I wasn't sure if it was you or the 85-year-old woman that had taken over your body when you called something a hoot, but you got it out. It is a chore. <laughs> I will reiterate. It is a task.
2: I would be stunned, stunned, stunned if the Eagles don't win this game. But
3: hmm. I, 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 Okay, I agree with all that, and I expect the Eagles to win. The offensive line is not special when you're missing Tyron Smith because then you look like – who who do you have, really? You have Jonathan Cooper, who's not really a great left guard. You have L- Lyle Collins, who's not played well against the pass at all at right tackle. So suddenly it's just down to two guys in the middle. That's not enough. You're missing Sean Lee. And yet I, I do think you still have Dak Prescott. You do have the bones of a team that could win a game at home if they're playing their best. I don't think this is just like a walk matchup. I agree with you. I agree with you to such an extent. What? No way.
1: And let me tell you something right now. Don't do it, bro. Yes, Because I believe that Dallas is not done with the season yet. And I think the Eagles are a Super Bowl-level team that's going to have one or two trip-ups. And it's going to come this weekend. I am locking
2: it up. Whoa! You're
1: locking up the Cowboys. Yes, I am. We got
2: a lock-off! Oh!
1: I have so
4: much respect for Dak Prescott. I don't think there are five quarterbacks in the league I would take over him. Uh, Like you said, Rob Marinelli, I have respect for them. They're playing at home. For all the talk about the Eagles' defensive line going against uh, a banged-up Cowboys' offensive line, Vitae has to block DeMarcus Lawrence and David Irving too. So, I've checked my conscience. And My conscience tells me I'm allowed to lock up the, the
3: eagle. <laughs> Wait, oh, yeah, I was getting confused because yeah. you were making the case for the couch. No, I
4: have to make a case no, for where I'm is... allowed to lock up the You're Eagles. absolutely you look in allowed. The mirror. Yeah. You're absolutely You looked in allowed. the mirror.
2: And what did you see when yeah. you looked in that mirror? I, I saw self A man in a smoking jacket that respected his pick. Yeah. That's I fine. think
1: also, he's also, he, he, you have some showmanship because you've created another lock-off, if which is great for this podcast. If Good if job, Wes.
2: If Mark's going to
3: be right here, though, like Cole Beasley, it's been slipping under the radar. I know we want to move on. This is a great game. I've been hey, waiting for we great games all year. Cole Beasley this is, this, is, is, the, this, necessary, this is the first week of the year. I feel like we have like three or four great games. They have thrown the ball to Cole Beasley 40 times this year. He has 188 yards. That is the least efficient, worst mm. connection in the league right now is Dak Prescott to Cole Beasley. And Des Bryant's connection is around 50% too. It's not, it's not a lot Surprising. better. So those two guys, like that passing game has to show that they can carry the team. We'll see.
2: And of course the Zeke Elliott uh, saga is over. Suspended, unsuspended, suspended, unsuspended, suspended, unsuspended, suspended. And now he has accepted that suspension. So you won't see him again until the middle of December. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. So late December 24th. That's
3: technically against the Seahawks. Could be a big, uh, big return game. So that's
2: Sunday night football. Finally, Monday night football, the Atlanta Falcons five and four uh, and, you know, that's why I think Dallas has almost no chance. I hated the way that the Cowboys looked in that game and everything that Adrian Claiborne did to the backup left tackle, all that. They kick, but well, they kick, they kick what is it? What did you say before?
1: Okay. I don't give a hoot about something.
2: I don't no. give a hoot about the Cowboys after what they did against the Falcons. And now they got to go to uh, Atlanta. has got to go to Seattle to face the Seahawks, who won Thursday Night Football, got the mini bye. But you know who's not coming back, Mark? Richard Sherman, Achilles tendon tear. And this defense is not the same when Sherman's not there.
1: No, and for me, it only adds more pressure to the quarterback in Russell Wilson who is being relied on more than any other in the entire league. He has accounted for 95.2% of their offensive touchdowns. Mm. Every game, it seems, comes down to Russell Wilson having to dig them out of a hole. Dan, you and I watched this game last week where Seattle – knocked out Arizona, and he made what I thought was one of the plays of the year. Oh, yeah. With his patented cycling back, his figure-eight, rushing away from defenders and flinging the ball downfield to a player that no one else even sees. And he does this week after week. It works, but I don't know if it works ultimately for Seattle. They, they feel to me like a team that's endangered if they, they don't find more balance in their offense. And on defense, I think we'll have to see how the Richard Sherman thing plays out. I'd, I do think that uh, their rookie cornerback... Shaq Griffin has looked good. He
2: has. He's going to have to stay good because a big part of their defense is that Sherman could lock down the, that side of the field, and that's just not going to happen anymore. You got is Earl Thomas okay? That hamstring
1: sounds like he. Well, it, it, Pete it's Carroll sounds was it,
3: expecting he'll play. We don't know. It sounds like he'll play. He
1: confirmed Cam Chancellor.
2: Will play. Oh, confirmed.
3: Cam Chancellor is up in the air with the stinger. Dwayne Brown, who has solidified their left tackle spot done a nice job since he was acquired is a game time decision so you look at the Seahawks there's a lot going wrong you're right Russell Wilson is just carrying them they haven't had a great home field advantage the defense hasn't been quite as good and the Falcons I think can look at what Matt Ryan has done the last couple weeks and feel pretty good about it seven touchdowns two interceptions and both of those interceptions were not his fault I think they got it going you I don't know if last week was a turning point game. We'll see. You need more than one, but it wasn't just Claiborne. They got a lot of good defensive efforts from a lot of players last week, and on paper, this isn't a tough matchup against the Seahawks offense. You should be able to get pressure and slow them down.
4: NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport says that it doesn't look good for Devonta Freeman to play, but unlike the Seahawks, the Falcons have running back depth. Tevin Coleman looked good last week. He's one of the best Uh, I guess, 1B backups in in the NFL. So I trust the the Falcons running game a lot more.
3: I think this is a fascinating game. Do you guys remember this game last year? I thought it was one of the sneaky games of the year, kind of the game that made me think the Falcons are for real, even though they ended up losing it. It was a terrific game. These were kind of the two favorites of the NFC going into the year. And now – whoever loses this game, you're not going to feel too good about. I think if Atlanta's going to turn this season around, they got to go win this game, and I think they will.
2: This is such an important game for the Falcons. Let's pick this game. I like this one. Uh, I I think it will be the Falcons, and I kind of thought, I've never been completely sold on the Seahawks this year, and now you take out Sherman. It just feels to me they are a step below the rest of the class of the NFC. I think the Falcons are in that step below group as well but I just feel good about Atlanta this week. I
1: have to disagree. I think Seattle's going to win this game. <laughs>
2: you do? You yeah. Do. Why do you believe that?
1: Just think it's a, it's in Seattle. I don't – okay. listen, with the Falcons, I a lot of the way I feel about it, the Falcons is sometimes
3: a little bit too attached to last year, and I'm starting to become completely unattached to last year. Well, you usually – it's like the moment you think they're dead, that's when they rise. And these are two teams that – you think it's so early in the season still, even though it doesn't feel that way, that they that one of these teams has enough inside of them to be better. The Falcons have, have not shown signs of being the twenty sixteen Falcons. They were just six and four after ten games last year. It would be the same exact record as this year. They were seven and five after twelve it's games. Though. I know it's different, but at least they, I think they have the players and the guts on their team pick, to play better. Falcons. I, I had already said it earlier. I started
4: so. this whole I thing. I thought so. <laughs> I'm picking the Falcons for the same reason. I think they're a lot. I know that there's a contingent in this room. Dan has represented the Falcons are dead side of the spectrum. I don't think they're dead by any stretch. I think they're way too talented. I respect uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones in their
1: running game. Too much to write them off. I alone have picked Seattle in Seattle. I like this
3: dynamic. Mm.
2: Greg picked the Falcons twice. I didn't know. No, he's I locked, didn't know up. he's locked up so seven games. That you couldn't <laughs>
3: speak again unless you were making a pick.
2: All right, that's it for today. Greg is pumping show. his arms. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm excited. Like a juvenile. I'm, get, I'm getting hair, a haircut
1: right after this. Oh, wait, well, listen, yeah, dude. Excited. Talk about getting your weekend going. That'll be a hoot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back Sunday night with our flagship uh, offering, so make sure uh, you're there for that. And uh, thank you to everybody. And also we'll have, have a nice announcement next week uh, when Lindsey Fulton gets to town. Um and yeah, next week will be a fun week with Thanksgiving week. We're gonna have for the first time uh, a Thanksgiving night show, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. A lot to look forward to, uh, but let's go for now. This is Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman. I love having the mailman here, the old boss, uh got behind the glass, A hey! loose cannon! cannon. Till Sunday.